Welcome to Chick Chat with Unapologetically Karen, the podcast for women by women. I'm Karen Webb, architect, author, entrepreneur, creative junkie, and your host. Chick Chat is your resource for building your big, bold, and beautiful feminine life. So join me for some eye-opening and jaw-dropping dialogue that has people talking. Hello, everyone. Today, I have Melissa Leon. She is a 20-year accounting and finance professional, a mother of three, a best-selling author, and a business owner. Melissa owns Two Cents Consulting, small business fractional bookkeeping and CFO, and is the author of a book called Efficiency Bitch, How Ambitious Women Can Have It All Without Doing It All. So, Let me describe how she defines efficiency bitch, because I'm sure you're all curious out there. Efficiency bitch is a noun. It is a strong woman who is unstoppable in her pursuit of her dreams. She is a positive influence. She refuses to let gender norms, pressure from political ideologies, and cultural stigmas define her goals and life path. She uses self-reflection, others' ideas, and her instincts to drive change. She strives for maximum productivity with minimum wasted effort or expense. She chooses the people in her life very carefully and never allows anyone to dim her light. She balances her life to spend time with her family, her passions, and herself. She lifts others up, both men and women, demanding the same level of expectation and opportunity. An efficiency bitch counts her blessings and knows that her life is different from everyone else's. She understands where she came from and knows where she is going. She takes responsibility for her path, her choices, and her future. I love it. Let's welcome Melissa. Hey, how are you? Thanks for reading that. It always gives me goosebumps. (laughs) It's written so well. I mean, I loved it. I was like, yes. (laughs) Um, I'm sure everyone listening to this, whether they're in their car or whatever they're doing, they're like, oh, that's me. Yeah. (laughs) So love that. So tell me first, how did you come up with that? Oh, it's like such a web, right? Like all things (laughs) always end up being. Um, If I go way back, I'll tell you when I was 18, I came home from college and my mom was having a party and I was in the kitchen and I was being annoying and she yelled at me about being annoying and I whipped around and called. I said, you don't have to be an efficiency bitch. And (laughs) it was like the first time I ever swore at my mother, you know, Um, and I thought I was in for it, but it turns out she really liked that. She thought it was really funny and it turned into a term of endearment between us. My sister and my mom and I have been calling each other EB or efficiency bitch since I was 18. So, you know, five years ago. Okay, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so 25 years ago. Um, yes. And it just became this love language for us. And if you, you know, that's been the long game on it. Um, four years ago, I started down the path of writing a book. And I thought I was going to write a book teaching women how to talk to their children about money. I'm a finance professional. I've been in the money and accounting world since I was 16, um, but long before I had the word efficiency bitch. And the um, the passion that I have for teaching financial literacy is very strong. And so I started down that path and it turned out I had a lot more to say. Um, so then I started a podcast called Efficiency Bitch and 
eventually, as I continued through the path of writing the book, um, I came up with the acronym. And so now my podcast and my book follow B-I-T-C-H format, which is Bank, Inbox, Time, Connection, and Harmony. Oh, nice. You know, Love it. Sometimes <laughs> it just takes a while to bake the full idea, but once it was fully baked, it it took a lot of momentum and it's been a really cool, cool, yes, cool journey. Yes, and there it is, right? That's awesome. Um, I love that. So what started you kind of on this path to developing a, the program and the coaching that you do? So I own a company called Two Cents Consulting and we're fractional CFOs. So think like small business owner, maybe you have a bookkeeper, maybe you have a CPA who does your taxes, but you don't have anybody who's helping you figure out what it all means, yes. read your financial statements, understand what a balance sheet is and a P&L and how they're connected or why they matter, um, how to decide if you have the money to hire a new employee um, or pay yourself more. Like some of those types of things are really where we, where we started to design two cents consulting and efficiency, bitch. I don't even coach on it's a book. It's a podcast. It's my, it's my human element of my life. Yes. I have three kids. I'm doing all the things. Um, and living my best life, you know, and I want to just share that with the world. So two cents is the business and EB is just who I am. Who you are. Yes. I get yeah. it. I'm unapologetically Karen and you are efficiency bitch. Yes. <laughs> there yes. you go. Right. Yeah. I <laughs> totally get it. Um, that's fantastic. So yes, first of all, I know what you mean. I've been an entrepreneur. I'm an architect by trade, um, been an entrepreneur for 30 years. And I will say the part that I hate the most, that I have the most, you know, just, I, I just cringe when I have to sit down and do my own accounting and mm -hmm. I've done my own accounting forever. And there is such a learning curve, which mm -hmm. thankfully now I have it, I've done it. I'm like, you know, somewhat of a pro at it. Haha. -ha. But, um, but it is a stigma for a lot of people, a lot of mm -hmm. people, you know, especially entrepreneurs that they've got this passion and this creative energy and it doesn't necessarily align with bookkeeping. Yeah. So how do you, what do you, what do you tell people? How do you help them kind of bridge that? Yeah. I mean, I always wanted to be a business owner since I can remember, but I didn't know what I wanted my business to be. I, I didn't have a passion or something I was super excited about. Right. And I always felt really defeated for that. And then one day I woke up and I thought, oh my gosh, business is my business. Like I yes. know business <laughs> and I understand financials and I understand contracts and I understand the things that a lot of people cringe towards. And so that's how I started. And so I'm very grateful that there are people out there who cringe at accounting because I love it. Um, I spent 20 years in finance and accounting prior to starting my own business. Um, I was Wells Fargo Bank for seven years. I worked for Four Seasons Hotels for 17 years where I was a wow. director of finance and a global um, accounting lead for the accounting, the global accounting. Um, so just a lot of experience in a lot of different things, a lot of different industries, a lot of um, different parts of the world. My clients today are all US-based, but industry agnostic. I mean, we will talk to anybody. And I say this often, like business is business and I can teach you your financial statement no matter what your business is. The only anomaly to that is medical billing. Like that's not business, right. that's shenanigans. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I think you're right. Yeah, that is shenanigans. <laughs> like in insurance, it. medical billing is not business, but everything else, right. the, the medical professionals, you know, and the business that they're running is. And so I, I help a lot of medical professionals look at their financial statements. I just won't do the billing for medical. But other than right. that, you know, whether you're a law firm or you're a restaurant, I can teach you your financials no matter what, what industry you're in. So that's, 
that's been a really cool thing for us. Um, and I say us, I have a business partner, her name's Leanne. Um, and we have built this company from the bottom up, you know, it was our side gig in 2020 and, um, it's grown and it's been really, really awesome and fulfilling. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. And I think you're right. It is, it does, it does translate across all industries. I mean, it is basically figuring out how to, you know, income expenses and your, uh, profit loss, all of that. Um, do you recommend people use a certain program or software? Yeah, I am a QuickBooks Online fan. Um, you know, love them or hate them, Intuit has a ton of power and a ton of great technology. Um, there are competitors out there that are good. Um, Zero and FreshBooks are great competition to Intuit. Um, I, when I talk about small businesses, I prefer technology. I'm a millennial. I want technology. I want speed. I want efficiency. Mm-hmm. And when you go with the smaller guys that may be a little cheaper, the technology is lower. And so I'm a big believer in um, QuickBooks Online and big banks like Chase, Bank of America, Wells Fargo for small businesses. Now, if you want to have a small, if you want to go um, credit union or small bank locally, personally, I'm super on board with that. But when it comes to your small business, you want to have to think about that stuff as little as possible. And the technology that the big guys can offer you is always going to win. Right. I agree with you. Um, yeah, I use QuickBooks uh, into it as well. Sometimes I feel though, like it's got too much power. <laughs> so sometimes it does. I, yeah. yeah, like sometimes, you know, um, yeah, I, I wish it could be simplified a little bit instead yeah. of some of the things that it does. But I agree with you. It, it definitely works. I think there's a lot of people now, including myself, transitioning to credit unions just mm-hmm. because of fear of the economic world we're in right now. And that's yep. been the, that's kind of been the new trend. But you're absolutely right. What a nightmare. I have thought way too much about which bank and why. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And you're right. Cause like one of them, one credit union doesn't take Zelle. The other one, you know, limits the how many times. It's just, yeah. it's a constant nightmare. You're right. That part drives me crazy. And credit unions are just as vulnerable to the anything collapsing as a, as a FDIC insured bank would be. Um, and there's pros and cons to all of those pieces. So like ideal setup, in my opinion, is operating accounts are in a big bank, big tech. You've got lots of opportunity for withdrawals and online banking mm-hmm. and all this cool stuff. And then if you have extra money, it goes, sits in a high yield savings account under your business name at a smaller bank where you can get 5% APR, right? Like there's so many cool things you can do and you, you have to keep looking at it. I use an analogy a lot when I talk about money, it's like driving a car and you can't just look straight ahead. You have to sometimes look behind you. You have to look peripheral and the peripheral mm-hmm. in my analogy is, you know, upcoming pending, um, recessions or economic situations or wars or elections, like that stuff's all in the side. You're not going to stare out your side window, right? But you got to be aware of it. And you have to continuously look all around you throughout times. You can't go from one on a road trip and just look straight ahead or just look a mile down the road. You got to look right in front of you. You got like, there's so many pieces. Um, So the goal for me when I work with small business owners is simplify it, make it efficient and then learn what it means. Um, I tell, I tell my clients, my goals for them is either that they learn so much from me that they don't need me anymore or <laughs> that they grow big enough that they need more of me. Right. Um, right. cause different people have different goals. Some people don't want to grow past where they are, but they want to understand it better. Mm-hmm. And that's a great goal. And I'm here for it all day. 
Um, and then other business owners want to grow or want to figure out how to get out of their business and sell it. And I'm here for that too. So right. um, okay. just a lot of cool angles that, that we cover on a day-to-day basis. I mean, I'm super into personal finance. I'm really into business finance. Um, there's just a lot of fun and I say fun because I really I, I'm sitting here do geek as out you said on it. Fun. As you said fun, I'm like, I want to go with that. <laughs> but but that's also just kind of what I do, I think, yeah. is part of like, you know, it's hard for me to be in this creative mode and then click over to do the finances because so I find that I'm not the type that does it like every week or every day. Mm-hmm. Because to click over that often, I, my brain just doesn't work that way. You yeah. know, it, um, I need to like save it. Then, oh God, then I sit there with it and I'm like, ah, this is so, it's such a nightmare, but I, I get it. Um, interesting. So yes, that would be fun maybe, but <laughs> let's talk for a second about, um, first off, I want to break it down between business, small business, and then mm-hmm. personal. Mm-hmm. So if you had, you know, any advice, what is like the one kind of nugget of advice in, you know, for people, for small business owners, and then we can get into personal finances, but what would you say is your bit of advice to them regarding money? I mean, it's kind of the same for both, honestly. Is it? Okay. Check your numbers every day. I mean, (laughs) every every day day. you want to be desensitized Mm -hmm. to the, oh, I hate that. Right. And if you, you can hear this a lot in weight loss strategy, weigh yourself every day. You're desensitizing yourself from the idea that the scale is a bad thing or that you like, you want to desensitize yourself to that shock. Same thing with money. Look at your money every day, analyze it a little bit, just one little piece today. How much did Mm -hmm. I spend on X yesterday or last week? Desensitation to the things that you hate the most are going to make it easier for you to do it tomorrow. That's a good idea. I am all about falling in love with your future self. You'll hear that several times in my book Mm -hmm. and on my podcast. It's all about like make her happy in the future. I'm not saying live for tomorrow, but I'm saying you have to recognize that she matters too. the woman in it tomorrow or an hour from now or a year from now. Um, I'm figuring out those ways. If money gives you the creeps and it does for a lot of people, force yourself to, to touch it or think about it or, or plan mm-hmm. for it every day. And I promise you it will get better. Yeah, I, I do agree with you on that because I do look at everything every day. I don't sit there and, and do all my inputting into QuickBooks every day because that takes a whole other brain in my side for me. <laughs> it's just the mathematical side. And, and yep. I have that so strong in architecture, but it's so related to architecture and creativity mm-hmm. that it's um, the other feels somewhat dry. But you're right. I think desensitizing yourself is a, is a great idea. Um, I wanted to also ask you personally, why do you think for each woman personally, there is such a stigma towards dealing with money. I hear so many women who tell me, I have no idea how to deal with money, about money. I'm not good with money. I hear that a lot. Yeah. Um, what What do you think is is at the root of that? Oh, it's it's completely generationally unheard of for women to know about money. Um, we're recording this in 2023. 1974 was the first time a woman could have a credit card in this country by herself. 1974. Oh my goodness. I had no idea. Everybody I tell that to has no idea that that's a thing. 1974. So my mom was 30 something before she could have a credit card. Um, and when did men have credit cards? Like when did credit cards start? I don't even know. You know, hundreds of years, as soon as banks existed, as soon as lending products were a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So generationally speaking, women have never been given that knowledge, nor was it appropriate necessarily at that time. I guarantee you my grandmother knew zero about money. Mm-hmm. My mother knew even, well, my mother probably knew a little bit more because she was able to get a job and have a credit card at age 30. But I was the first generation of my family to yeah. have a credit card at age 18, right? And guess what? Right. Guess who feeds on 18-year-olds is credit card companies. They count on that. They count on you not having any generational knowledge. Now, I'm not excluding men. Like, not all men know about money either. Um, right, right. We were just kind of talking specific women. Yeah, but you're right. That's true. It's, it's, a, it's a whole thing. You know, and people will get, well, we should teach that in school and it should be a thing. Here's the thing you have to want to learn it in order to retain it. So even if they taught it to you in school, if you're not talking about it at home and you don't want to retain it, it's not going to stick. My kids are in third grade, fifth grade, and seventh grade. Most of the time, I don't remember the stuff that they are talking about in school. Like, I just (laughs) didn't care about geometry. It just didn't stick. So even if that was part of your education in elementary, junior high, high school, even university, if you didn't want to keep it in your brain, it's not going to stick there. Um, So take the responsibility for yourself and for your children today to start talking about those things. Um, Like I said, my kids are 8, 10, and 12. We have a lot of money conversations in this house. And yes, 99% of it goes right over their head. They have no idea what a mortgage is or why it's important or what credit scores are or they don't understand what a balance sheet and a PLR are, but they're hearing the language. They understand that we think it's important. And so mm-hmm. eventually, hopefully, because <laughs> they know that we think it's important and it's not a scary topic, it will be an interesting topic for them as adults and that they will intentionally retain the information. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what is, so with your kids, for example, what would would you do or have you done in terms of making it comfortable for them? Do you get them a checking account? Do you get them a savings account? Kind of what is your plan with that? And what would you say to other, you know, other parents out there? Yeah, I have a couple examples. Um, First, I'll say I tried to open savings accounts for my kids at Wells Fargo a year and a half ago and had a terrible experience. Absolutely terrible. I couldn't get my accounts open. It was really obnoxious. So I walked Hmm. into a chase I've mm-hmm. been like, I worked for Wells Fargo from age 16 right. to age 22. So I've been with Wells Fargo my whole life. Now, this is not a Wells Fargo bashing story, but it is an interesting story about the way things work. Yeah. Um, I walked into a Chase, never been a Chase customer in my life. I just walked in and I said, I'm trying to get my kids accounts because my kids have all this cash from the tooth fairy and grandparents exactly. and mm-hmm. they lose it or my dog eats it, like literally oh eats it. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. Yeah. So I wanted my kids to have their own accounts, right? And I go into Chase and I'm like, hey, do you have any products? And she's like, actually, we have this product called My First Banking. First Bank, something like this. It's the coolest thing. I should be selling these for a living because I, I tell people about them all the time. So I have a checking account. My children have an online like branch, uh, an online sub account to my account. So my children cannot go into a bank and withdraw money. It's like a sub to me, Okay, but I can put it in their bucket. So I have three kids. They have three buckets. They each have their own login for their app for their phone or their, their tablet. Mm -hmm. Um, so they can track their own money, but then within their own, they can break it out for savings or spend, or my son wants to get this new ridiculous Lego set. And I was like, you better save money. And he can like tag money to a Lego set goal. It's just the coolest thing. And wow. What is it called again? It's called, I think it's called my first banking or something like this. Mm -hmm. If you look up chase, 
Okay. And then um, first banking, it's an online thing and you can do it all online. You don't have to go into a branch, but this is part of my, my message about big banks. They have the technology to do this right. and it's all free, right? Where I can't get, I can hardly get into my credit union account online half the time because the technology is not working. So right, there's right. huge pros and cons to to small bank and big bank, but one of the big pros to banks is tech. And our kids are not going to touch it or learn about it with paper money. Like Dave Ramsey is no. not going to work for my children. I promise you they're not yeah. going to use envelopes <laughs> in cash. Generational, they've moved on. They're in tech 100%. You've got to teach them about money inside technology. Hmm. Um, so that part for me is, is major. Anytime they get cash, um, like my in-laws gave my son a $10 bill the other day. My son gave me the $10 and I transferred $10 to his bank account. He can see it in his app. He's super stoked. He's watching his, his money yeah. go up. Um, so that I think is really cool. The other thing I'm always working on with my kids is how to earn money. So it, you know, there's two sides to, to having money. There's earning it and there's spending it. Um, and I'm, I'm always talking to them about earning money. So they have chores to live in the house. My kids are old enough to empty the dishwasher mm -hmm. and start a little laundry, but if they want to earn, that's just to live here. If they want yes. to earn money, mm -hmm. they have to ask me for something and then I will find a job for them to do, or they can come up with an idea themselves. Um, mm -hmm. and my daughter had an idea at the beginning of October, um, I don't know if it's if it's all over the country, but it's a big thing in my neighborhood. They have these kids will put together like little goodie bags and then go leave it on their friend's doorstep, knock on the door and run away. And they call it a boo bag or a boo basket. It's just like oh, a little cute. treat yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. So my daughter comes to me the first week of October and she's like, mom, we got to get the stuff for the boo baskets. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I got to right. go to Target. I got to go through the uh, dollar section, which, you know, mm -hmm. I'm going to end up spending 80 bucks at the freaking dollar section. Yes. You know? So I just was not into it. And she said, well, mom, what if I buy a lot of this stuff and then sell them? And of course, I, I'm an entrepreneur. So I'm like, hell yes, mm, we're doing that. Yeah, that's good. So yeah. we went on Oriental Trading. We bought a bunch of stuff in bulk. She put together a Google form. We made these baskets. She sold them. She made like $400 in a couple of weeks. Wow. Awesome. Um, so I'm wow. all about stuff like that, right? Teaching them, you know, where's the demand, how to fix the demand, how to earn the money. And then it came time to build the baskets and deliver the baskets. And she was like, I have to do all this myself. <laughs> and I said, why don't you hire your sister? So then I had her take money out of her profit, give her sister 20 bucks to help, right? So teaching nice. them about yeah. like mm -hmm. you're trading goods for services. You're also trading time for money, you know, just different things like this. So it's an ongoing dialogue. It's not a one-time thing. They probably hear me talk about or ask me a question about money every day. Um, mm -hmm. But it's, again, that desensitization and just making it part of the dialogue. There's a lot that goes into having money conversations. You can go stock market, credit scores, mm -hmm. bank accounts. You can go business accounting. You can go personal accounting and taxes. Like, holy smokes, there's so much, right? You'll never run out of content to, <laughs> <laughs> that's to talk true. about. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Very true. Um, that's great, though. Yeah, I feel like uh, it is important for kids to know right away. Because they, if not, you know, they're, they're going to be asking you constantly, I want this, I want that. And they don't get that sense of the value of money, mm -hmm. which is so, so key. So tell us a little bit more about the B-I-T-C-H, each of the steps that you use and, yeah. and how they work. Okay. Yeah. So as I was going through the podcast creation um, and writing the book, quite frankly, I wrote the first 
several sections, which is all about money. Um, bank, so B for bank. And we talk all about money. We talk all about different ways that you can save money, understanding. I have a philosophy about four pockets in your pants. You have one pocket for spending. It's like your day-to-day life. You have another pocket for saving. That's more like your emergency fund, quick grab. I got a, my water heater broke or I need new yes. tires on my car. And then yeah, you're back yesterday to, I needed a new battery in my car. Yes, that was yeah, unexpected. Yeah, that stuff happens all the <laughs> yeah, time, all the right? Time. Yep, um, yep. Expect it because it's going to happen. You expect the unexpected stuff and it's probably going to cost you more than 500 bucks every time. Right. So it just is. Um and then the back two pockets in my world are, are from investments. So um, that's the money that you may put an investment for short term, like pre-retirement. And then there's another pocket for post-retirement when you plan to retire um, and being able to live those, you know, hopefully last 40 to 50 years of your life, not having to work nine to five jobs if that's what you're after. So that's kind of the basic um, premise of the bank, you know, go down the, go down the um, analogy of the driving a car and some of those pieces a little bit more in depth. Um, the next mm-hmm. chapter is I for inbox and that's like task management. Like how do you get stuff done? Um, right. you know, touch it once. How do you have to like make it so that it's a little bit more fast, a little bit more automated getting through stuff. Cause there's, there's maintenance in life. Like all of this stuff takes time. It takes energy. It takes planning how to just get through the inbox of the things that you have to manage. And that could be your email inbox. It could be your, just your daily checklist at work. Um, you know, with three kids, I got tons of birthday parties and sporting events. Yeah. Like my Saturday this week is going to be crazy. We've got three sporting events, two birthday parties, and my in-laws on their way over. Like it's going to oh, wow. be madness. I remember those days. <laughs> so you've yeah. got to have a plan and a strategy for those things. Um, The next letter is T for time. Um, And I have just a pretty basic philosophy with that. And it's automate, delegate, and eliminate. Um, So automate anything you can do to make it just happen automatic. Um, I talked a little bit about tech earlier. And I'm a big believer in Amazon. Like They're a huge mammoth of an organization. But again, you're going to be able to get cheap stuff. Not, Not product. But I mean, cheap services, um, Mm -hmm. like putting things on auto renew. My dog food is on auto renew. So it just shows up at my door every 30 days. Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. have to think about it and go to the store and carry the 100-pound bag of dog food to my home. Um, Right. I also have an Amazon Echo in my house. And that thing goes off at 8 o'clock to remind the kids that it's time for bed. goes off at 8.30 to remind us that it's lights out. It goes off at 7 a.m. to say it's time for school. It goes off. You know what I mean? Like we set these routines up on this thing, not because like the kids don't obey its command. My kids aren't robots, but it keeps (laughs) me from having to be the timekeeper. It keeps me from having to like look at my watch. Am I late? What am I doing? So that's the kind of stuff I talk about in automation. Um, delegate is like a very deep and kind of intense topic for a lot of women, but women tend to carry it all and do it all. Um, and I certainly was, was no, no exception to that. I say often that super mom tried to kill me. I was trying to do everything for everybody, including my full-time job. And I had a nervous breakdown five years ago, which is kind of the impetus for what started a lot of my book writing and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And so delegating things, not keeping them, hiring help if you can, trading for help if you need to. Um, You know, I started by like trading bookkeeping services for somebody to come help me clean my home. And, and, you know, things like that help to evolve um, into new areas. Um, And then finally, eliminating, just getting rid of the stuff that doesn't belong to you altogether. 
Um, I used to say yes to a lot of things. Now I won't even bring snacks to a soccer game. It's just, <laughs> yeah. nope, not going to do it. I don't have the space to yeah. add more of that stuff in my life. So, I, And I think a lot of women are getting there. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, especially women that are working and, you know, taking care of the kids at home, which a lot of people are multitasking like that. But and and we are better equipped to multitask than men just by nature that is just genetics and how and our dna but there's a point where you kind of yeah you just that's that's it you can't take any more you're at and i that. wonder like is it really genetic or is it just generationally we've had to get better i don't know no one will ever really know the answer yeah. to that right like but did my great grandmother I know she had to do all the things because there were no grocery stores or there were no refrigerators, right? Like Uh things like that that we consider to be this like, oh, they always had it. Like they did not have refrigerators in the early 1900s. They had to go to the store, to the market. Every It wasn't even a store. It was a market Mm -hmm. every single day to get supplies for dinner. Like was my great grandmother a multitasker in the way that I am? I guarantee not. But she had six things she had to get done every single day. So what I've what I've come to understand with this, having researched it kind of to death, was um, that by just our nature, we are like men and women. Because when we go back to you know primitive time, um, women were still multitasking because they had to kind of gather. They were dealing with the children, etc. They had mm-hmm. more multitasks to take care of, mm-hmm. and men were very singularly focused because they had to do the hunting. And you can't have ten things going on. You've got to be fully laser focused. Mm-hmm. So I guess biologically that's how it began. But then I think you're right. Generationally, yeah, what our grandmothers had to do versus what we have to do can be totally different. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah. there's room for both of that dialogue, right? I think the like, stay-at-home moms certainly are not singularly focused. There's a hell of a lot going oh, gosh, on no. in that bucket. Um, and I think those... Yeah. You know, now when we look at men and women, both many people have to have two incomes in order to survive having multiple children these days. Like it's just part of the game. And if we're both working, then we both have to be doing stuff at home. Mm -hmm, And that mm -hmm. is still there's a huge gap in most households between what mom does and what dad does, even if both are working 40 hours a week. I've been the breadwinner in my household my entire time I've known my husband. And so that part for us was always like, are you cool? And he was like, yeah, I'm fine. But it was mm-hmm. in my head of, I have to make sure you're cool. Like, are you good yeah. there? Um, and he's amazing. And truth be told, I would never be where I am today without him. He's been an incredible support. He left his corporate career a year and a half ago to work for the company that I started. So there's been a huge shift in our household mm. from that like typical gender norm but I also had some incredible parents who were able to afford a lot of advantage for me mm-hmm. um, in that space. And how does it work? How does it work to have your husband working with you or for you? How does that dynamic work? Uh, it's awesome. What would you say? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people do that. Some can't get through it. You know, I'm yeah, just curious. I've never had a partner in my business, and I've never really had, you know, working with my husband in it, but I am curious how that dynamic plays out. Yeah, it's awesome. We've been together 20 years. Um, he was a, a general manager of a golf course for that whole time. Um, he's a PGA professional. And so he spent uh, his entire career in a very male dominated industry in the golf, in the golf courses. Um, but he's got incredible business acumen and operational background. And so 
I spent most of my career at Four Seasons Hotels, um, and Four Seasons moved me around the country quite a bit. We lived in Hawaii and Florida and California and Arizona and Vegas, and like we moved all these places for Four Seasons. Like they moved me as I was climbing the the ladder, mm-hmm. um, and he had to kind of restart every time. And he was cool with that. He was like, yeah, it's another golf course. I'll get new operational experience at this course or that course or whatever. Um, and so then last year it was like, well, we'll do, why don't you come work for us? And then we've got a family business and we're both under one roof. Um, you know, literally we are together 24 yeah. seven cause we both work from home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's been amazing. Like my kids get to spend so much more time with him cause he's home and he's not as stressed out or burnout as he used to be. He does a lot of the domestic stuff now. Um, for the household, I still run a corporate job in addition to my business. And so there's just a lot of, of give and take that comes yes. through it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's yeah. the cook. My, my kids know that my kids will be like, Hey dad, what's for dinner? They don't ask me. Uh, they used to, <laughs> they did. Oh, they funny. used to, yeah. I just recorded yeah. a podcast a couple of days ago about this because I talk a lot about the invisible load that women carry, like the stuff Mm -hmm. that's on your mind, like the holidays are coming or the Mm -hmm. winter's coming and I got to change their clothes, you know, wardrobes in their closets and all that stuff. It's been a year and a half since my husband left his corporate job and came to work for two cents in addition to the, for the household. And it is starting to leave my mind for the first time I'm recognizing that that stuff's not on my brain. And it's, I never thought it would go away. I thought, oh, well, I'm their mom. It's never going to shift. It's shifting. Like it's starting wow. to become <laughs> where I don't see the dishes in the di- in the sink. I, I used to, it used to drive me nuts and now I don't even see them. Or I will forget yeah. that Chris, that it's winter and that they need warm clothes and I'll go into their bedrooms and my husband's already done it. And I'm like, well, that was weird. <laughs> he beat me <laughs> to it, you know? Yeah, yeah. But That's you know, you give you give me the opportunity to forget and I'm forgetting and you give him the opportunity to do it and he's doing it. And so right. often women are like, my husband can't do it. He doesn't have the capacity. Well, he totally does. Yeah. That, we just that don't is, let them. Yes, that, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's so true. Yeah. yeah. You can't ask them to do stuff and then dictate how they do it. That's just totally. Not, that's yeah. a recipe for a disaster. hundred um, percent. Yeah. Now, did we get through the letters? I don't no. know if we did, right? Okay, so Let's there's go back. two more left. Yes. So the last two are C and H. C is for connection. Um, and this is all about people and it's all about our village, our tribe, our, the humans that we want to become, you know, in the future. I'm, I'm a big believer that you become the average of the five people you hang out with. If you hang out with angry people, you're going to be angry. If you hang out with drinkers, you're probably going to be a drinker. If you hang out with people who are shooting for the stars, you're going to, right? So pay attention to who you hang out with. Pay attention to whose energy you're absorbing. And that goes for what you're watching on social media more today than ever before. You oh, click on right. a, something, you're going down a rabbit hole and you can't get back out of it. It includes the TV shows that you watch, the news channels. Like I refuse political ideology. I just flat out refuse it. I'm going to think with my own brain. I'm going to watch. Yes. I'm going to listen to other people's ideas from both sides of the aisle. Mm-hmm. Um And it's really important to me to make my own decisions on that space. I'm not just going to follow that line. Now, some people really like I have a friend who's a poli sci major and he's like, political ideology is is so important. And I I just, Mm -hmm. not for me, not for me. Um, And I'm good with those pieces. So that's what that chapter is all about. It's about human communication. Um, I teach, I guess, lecture quite a bit at uh, Arizona State University. And when the kids ask me, the, the students ask me what, 
I think they should focus on. And I tell them time, money, and people. If you can learn about how to communicate with people, how to manage your time and how to manage your money, regardless of what industry you get into, you will be successful. Um, because those yeah, things you're absolutely right. Those are, and, and they're like an everyday thing. Yeah. For it's everybody. Not like, yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If you become are. a stay at home mom, those three things matter. If you become yep. a physician, those three things matter. If you're a hairstylist, those three things matter. Like it does not matter what you decide to do. Time, money, and people are the things that make the world go around quite literally. Yes, they do. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and those pieces and how we communicate, how we show up, how our messages are received. It doesn't, if you intended something and I didn't receive it that way, it just doesn't happen, you know? Um, and there's a lot of this in the media right now. There's a lot of this negativity and, and, um, frustration, I think that exists among the people in the U S based on the political environment and which side of the aisle you sit on and who you want to run for president and who you don't want to run for president and all of those things. But the way we say things so that the other person can hear it matters. If we say something in a way that the other person can't hear it and they get defensive, right. our communication did not happen. It just, it didn't exist. It didn't. That's true. It no. And stuck. I think, I think one of the most important things you said too, was that it is crucial to, to do your own research, come up with your own decision. And I see so many people just, you know, they're just repeating what they've seen on the news in exact format. And I'm a firm believer in, yeah, you, you have to really dig a little and Mm -hmm. it is our own individual responsibility to do that because especially right now, I don't think America even has that faith in the media whatsoever. So uh, I know. So you really do have (laughs) to do your own digging. Yes. And in my house, we do. (laughs) My husband is uh, a Marine and is, yeah, has, has knowledge of all of this. Um, to the point that sometimes I'm like, no, I need a break. I need a break from this knowledge. I don't want to know all. It's terrible. Sometimes it can be overwhelming. I mean, and where you get your knowledge from is, is really important. Like TikTok is not where you get your information on the news on what's happening. Um, but it is cool actually, I think to, to have the ability to see the real people and what they think is happening. That doesn't mean it's the fact, but what somebody else thinks is happening is their reality. And so it does matter in those, in those places. Like I want to know that my neighbor feels whatever, because that's the way they're going to show up in life. And so that's what what that whole chapter is about. It's just like about connection and communicate community, um, and the way we are together and where we spend our time. And then H Mm -hmm. is harmony. Um, it's, it's the bow, right. That ties it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, I originally was going to call that health or happiness, but it didn't quite fit. My mom is the one that suggested harmony and it is the idea of everything being in agreement and how to get there. Yes. Um, I don't believe in work-life balance. I don't think that things are equal all the time. I don't think that you spend your life searching for balance, but searching for agreement, which is the definition of harmony. Um, I'm always looking for the ways to make sure that I can, I can wade through my life and lean into kid number one if she's going through a hard time or lean into my job or lean into my husband or like you need different things at different times and being allowing that to happen. Um, I do talk a little bit about health and happiness in that space too. Um, and so it's, it's a short book, but we talk a lot yeah. about a lot of things. Um, Let me ask you. So you say you don't believe in, uh, in work life balance. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, I tried. So work-life balance became a pretty big thing um, I don't know, 20 years ago or yeah. so in the corporate world. And I was in my 20s during that time. And I was hearing all this work-life balance stuff. And I was, you know, entering motherhood and wifehood and all of those things during that time. And I tried really hard 
to balance. And I don't know how to say this other than it's, it's literally what I did. I would be like, Oh, I'm working 40 hours a week at work. I got to put the extra energy into my kids because I'm not balancing it. And so I would do like PTO president and I would be Girl Scout troop leader. And Mm. I was like trying to pile the stuff so that they were balanced. And what I realized is that was just absolutely going to break me. And it did. Like I got to the point where I was like, I cannot do this anymore. My, my stress levels are so high. I can't be everything for everybody. And when I started to shift that and realize like, if I have to go on a work trip this week, I can't be mom too. And I was traveling the globe at that time. I was, I was in China and India and Europe and all over the place at the time. So I would leave and go on these trips and I would like set out the clothes for the kids so that my husband didn't have to think about it. Like, why was I doing that? I was doing all of this stuff that didn't make sense. So I, I've told myself now that if I have to focus on work this week, I, I can't put as much into mom life. And if I have, if I have sick kids at home, I can't put as much into work life. And I will tell people that like I got sick kids or I've got whatever, and that's where I'm going to spend my time and I'm not going to feel bad about it. I'm just, yeah, I think the, the, that makes sense to me that I think there's a misconception that balance means they have to be equal, mm-hmm. um, equal amount of time. And so what I have found is I always compare it to this. It's like we're juggling balls, right? We're, we're trying to juggle three, four or five different things. Um, and when one's up in the air, like you spent all this time for this work trip, one is up in the air. While that's there, you can tend to the other ones, you know? So it is about, I don't think it's about... Um, every day or every week being equal with Mm -hmm. your work and your home life. But it is about having the right um, amount of each to give you fulfillment. And it's different for everybody. And that may not be, it may be, you know, 80% work and 20% home for some people Mm -hmm. or reverse. But um, yeah, I think the balance just has to be within each of us. We have to feel Mm -hmm. like it's the right balance for us, you know? Yeah, I agree. And I, you know, I think about like when you're on a bicycle, you have to balance, but you're constantly Mm -hmm. moving. Your weight is shifting back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, right? And so that's balance too. But, but for whatever reason when I internalized the corporate words of work-life balance, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it went a different way. And yeah. it's probably the, the baggage and the burden that I carry from my generational knowledge of what women have always done and kind of being that first generation who's trying to do something yeah. different. Um, and I have, yeah. my, my mom was a police officer. My mom was one of the first female police officers wow. in Tucson, Arizona in the late seventies. And so I have a mom who's pretty awesome, pretty badass, yeah. pretty, you know, um, she broke a lot of glass ceilings, Yes, but still I saw her run the rat race and do all the things by herself. In my head, it was by herself. I'm sure my dad helped, but not the way my husband does because generationally mm-hmm. we, we could, and they didn't have cell phones, which also totally blows my mind. Oh my gosh. Right. They had beepers. <laughs> That's what they had. <laughs> and you have to go find a phone. Yeah. Oh. I just can't yeah. imagine life like that. No. But um, you know, at the end of the day for me, like it's harmony that I want. I want peace. I want, I don't want to have, I want to have it all, but I don't want to do it all. I want to have a big career and I want to have a family. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. I'm going to do all of the things. It doesn't mean that I'm going to balance all of the things. It means that I'm going to allow for things to come in and shift. I'm going to be master my time, my money and my people. 
in order to figure it all out and let those type of things like kind of come as they need to over time. Yeah, I agree with you. As as long as you can keep it kind of fluid. Once you get mm-hmm. so structured that you're resisting anything new coming or any Super change bad. that happens. <laughs> right. If you can stay fluid, I think you can find that, you know, happiness and that balance a and little bit There's a bit lot better. of old adages like the only thing that will never change is change. Like you yes, will be yep. dealing with change your yep. entire life. The people in your life, whether births or deaths or friendships change constantly. Um, the amount of money that you have changes constantly, mm-hmm. literally minute by minute, right? Like yeah, absolutely. it's constantly and I, shifting. And I think right now people are really stressed about it because the economy has made it hard for on everyone. You're seeing people going more and more from paycheck to paycheck. What advice would you give them? Maybe we'll kind of go in that. And then I want to talk about what you um, offer people with your services. Um, There's a very large gap in this country and has been going that way for a very long time of the wealthy have a lot and the less wealthy don't have as much. And there's not as much of a middle class as there once was. That's right. Um, You know, when President Trump, like him or not, when he talks about making America great again, what he was referring to originally was the wealth spread in the 1960s there was a large middle class there was a very small majority of pe- a very small minority yep. of people who had yep. a lot of money and a small amount that had little there was a very large middle class and mm-hmm. that separation of financial wealth has separated over time but there are a lot of things that you can do in order to start to make sense of those things and the things i would tell you to look at today how do you spend your money Um, Mm -hmm. How do you individually spend your money right now? Not what the media says is expensive, not what the media says your neighbors are expensive for you. So go to Mm -hmm. your checking account or your credit card statement, download those items, sort it if you have the Mm -hmm. tenacity to go through an Excel spreadsheet, do that. There's a lot of cool software out there. Um, Rocket Money is one that I recommend to a lot of people. It's inexpensive. And you can kind of categorize things. Um, If you're with a big bank, like I mentioned before, tagging things inside your online banking is really cool. And then you can look at how much money did I spend this week on fast food Mm -hmm. or groceries versus next week. And if you start doing this as a habit, pretty soon you're going to have some pretty cool data to look at. If you want to go back in time and do it, by all means, like I would, because that's me. Because <laughs> it's fun for you. Because it's fun for me. <laughs> yeah. But if that's not fun for you, just start with today. And then mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. in 10 days, you're going to have 10 days of data to look at. And that's a great place to start. And then you can really start analyzing those things. Um, I have a PL for my family because it's fun for me. Um, <laughs> but I track ice cream, right? I have three kids. We live in Arizona. It's hot even right now. I live in Arizona. Where in Arizona do you live? I'm in I live Phoenix. In oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Fountain Hills. Oh, mm-hmm. excellent. I'm in Mesa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So okay. we spend a lot of money on ice cream, right? Um, and so we track ice cream spend and I can look at it and show my kids like last month we spent $80 on ice cream. This month we spent 120. What do you think we should spend next month? And then we have these conversations about like, oh, well, we did kind of overspend this month. Maybe we should skip it next month. And if mm-hmm. you, spending $120 sounds like a lot to you on ice cream, well, we, there's five of us and it's expensive. So you go <laughs> to Dairy expensive. Queen and it costs 30 bucks, right? Yeah, so absolutely. Um, yeah. But but looking at those things, desensitizing yourself to them today, just start today. Just take the stuff that's on your list today mm-hmm. and start to action it. Don't worry about yesterday. Don't worry about last week. Just take in a step forward today. Make those decisions. Um, because over time you're gonna start to recognize that prices of things are going to continue to go up. That's just the way inflation works. Mm -hmm. Um, It very rarely goes backwards. So don't count on that happening. Um, 
groceries are expensive. If you can really focus on what you're eating or, or shop for deals, those types of things are huge benefits. Um, and then just really pay attention to any of the extra spend. Um, DoorDash is super convenient, but it's super expensive, right? Right. I mean, yeah. Everybody tells me how expensive their groceries are, their eating out is. And I'm like, where do you eat out? DoorDash. I'm like, okay, well, you just paid $15 for a delivery fee plus their tip, plus the restaurant right. bumps up the prices in order to get their money back. So maybe go get it. I promise the gas is cheaper than the DoorDash. <laughs> right. Yeah, it is. That's true. Very um, true. So, you know, sometimes we... and. Look, I am all about the convenience of things like DoorDash. If you can afford it, by all means, it is more efficient. So I'm right, I'm exactly. here for that. But you also have to pay attention to where the cost is and not just throw blanket statements at things like restaurants are more expensive. Well, they are if you do DoorDash. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think most people would say just given, you know, given COVID and then everything that's gone on since then. And companies are trying to recover, you yeah. know, which is they're trying to recover a lot of their losses. So, yep. yeah. But I thank you so much. Now tell yeah. me if people want to reach out to you and uh, how can they do that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, efficiencybitch.com is usually the easiest to remember. Okay. Um, you can find me there. And then Two Cents Consulting, it's uh, T-W-O-S-E-N-S-E. Um, is our website for the fractional CFO stuff. And if you just want to listen to me talk more, check out the podcast, Efficiency Bitch. Um, I'm on all the platforms. Yes, perfect. Okay, thank you so much. I really appreciate you, Melissa. Um, thanks, thanks, for thanks for coming here and really sharing an awful lot. Thank you. 